Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. Eh, just trying to mix it up a little bit. How you doing, folks? I am Joe List. I am a comedian and a podcaster. More of a podcaster now because of this goddamn virus with new variants. I don't like this variant business. One iota. No idea what an iota is. Anyways, hope you're being safe. Hope you're uh, being kind, taking care, exercising, getting plenty of vitamin D and melatonin or whatever. I don't know. Masking, distancing. What are you doing? I don't know. Are you doing it? Aren't you getting a little tired? I'm just a little bit tired. Do you know why? Because we got hit with some hope. Vaccine. You know, springtime ahead. The surge is going down, whatever it is. Some good news, some bad news. I think we're going to be okay. I can see the light. Last night I was fortunate enough to do a set at the Village Underground Comedy Cellar. They uh, rapid tested everybody. And uh, also had plastic up and distanced and all that stuff. Who knows? Some of these rapid tests are unreliable, I heard. So hopefully we're fine. I made out with Sean Donnelly, so I think he was negative, though. It was a great night, gave me a little window into uh, the past and hopefully the future, and I hope that uh, you're doing well. Hopefully this podcast helps you. A lot of nice reviews. Thank you to everyone that's left a review. Please keep doing that if you haven't. Um, It means a lot to me. They're really kind. Appreciate all the nice emails and uh, Instagram messages and whatnot. They make me feel great, and it makes me... Uh, feel like the show is valuable and worth doing. So thank you very much for that. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, my YouTube. I'm really rocking the YouTube. Just put a new video up starring Greg Stone, past guest, who is absolutely hilarious, the funniest guy on earth. I can't believe I even got through the filming. He's so funny in it. It's called Trim. And uh, it's about a trip to the barber based on real events, and then we added Greg Stone playing a cartoon character, basically. And uh, I'm really proud of it. Matt Salakus directed it, and uh, it's great, I think. Greg is great. I think I'm pretty good, too, frankly. I am enough. That's right. And so are you. You are enough, folks. You are worthy of love. You don't have to do or be or have anything, accomplish anything to be worthy of love. You are and you're special in my heart and in my butt. Anyways, go check out my YouTube. Subscribe. I'm doing a new podcast. That's right, a third podcast with Ronan Hirschberg called Joe and Ronan Talk Movies. And uh, I'm really happy about that, too. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, of course, as always, Tuesdays with Stories. And uh, our Patreon, Mark and I uh, went through a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, our favorite episode. We did a Will and Grace. We just shat on it. And, of course, we did a Seinfeld that caused some controversy. Uh, But go check that out. These are the things I'm doing to try to uh, maximize, or not maximize, that didn't make sense, to uh, fulfill my life and time. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't need to explain myself to you, goddammit. We got a hot episode coming up right now. Um, Talking with my friend Chloe LeBranche. Or LeBranche, if you will. Um, Comedian, friend, wonderful person, hilarious person. You're going to see, you're going to hear from her. She is great. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know what to say about Chloe other than uh, she's a friend of mine and she's absolutely hilarious and she has some harrowing stories. I mean, you're going to really be taken for a ride here. Um, and Chloe is the kind of person that tells a tragic story and you find yourself smiling and laughing because she's so funny um, despite the seriousness of a lot of the things she's talking about. Uh, we talk a little bit about therapy. She's a, a former Alan um, subscriber, patient, whatever. She talks about that. It's funny. We talk a little bit about Alan, my therapist. And um, we talk about epilepsy. She suffers from epilepsy. We get into that. And seizures. And we talk about drinking, drug use, sobriety. It's all in here, folks. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Check out Chloe. Follow her on Instagram. She has a hilarious series she does called News for Women. And uh, she's a great comic as well. So follow her on the social medias and stuff. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So please sit back, relax, or walk around, drive. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you consume it. Maybe you're watching on YouTube, the laugh button. Make sure you subscribe there. And while you're there, subscribe to my YouTube. And um, I think you're going to really enjoy it. There's a couple, at one point, Chloe's heater, I think, is hissing or sizzling i don't know what the hell happened she kind of lost her mind for a second and it wasn't bothering me but maybe it'll bother you some people are sensitive to not perfect sound on a podcast so um it's only for a few minutes i think about 20-ish minutes in then it goes away and um yeah you'll be fine i think you'll be fine anyways let's give you a little bit of love and wisdom from the great zen Buddhist, alcoholic, Alan Watts, one of my favorite writers, guy that sent me down a path of enlightenment, or at least attempting. He's the best. Check out his books, The Wisdom of Insecurity. I love. Here's a quote from the great Alan Watts. I have realized that the past and future are real illusions, that they exist in the present, which is what there is and all there is. Enjoy that, folks, and be present and enjoy this conversation with my friend, Chloe Lorange. This is it. We're live. This is where we're, we're going. We're, we're doing it. It's actually <laughs> funny. I'm putting on, so I wear this necklace like every day. I'm not religious at all, but it's a, uh, it's a St. Christopher. Oh, okay. And uh, He's good. I think it's for ca- Catholic people. I'm not Catholic though, but uh, it's supposed to be for protection. So I like to wear it. When I wear it, I think nothing bad's going to happen to me. Oh, hell yeah. 
No, that's uh, <laughs> that's good. Are you not? You're not Catholic. I figured LeBranch sounds French, and French, I think Catholic. Well, you know, we fled. We fled. Uh, Protestant. No. We left. Oh, okay. I, I think mm. I'm. I'm yeah, sorry. I think my mother's Protestant, my dad's Catholic, whatever that means. For you, I wasn't even baptized. I think I was baptized, and I think it was like late. Uh, like I was like five or something. Like, I kind of remember it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of seven. So the, my parents, I think they only baptized my oldest brother, and then they just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it means. It's a strange thing i mean not to go into a whole deep religious thing but it's very uh bizarre to me to like like i think stanhope had a bit that it's like religion should start when you're like 18 like you get to choose you're an adult and then you're like okay let me look into the things and i'll pick one it's yeah. weird to just be a baby that doesn't form sentences and then just like you're this thing totally i mean I was I always was jealous that all my I was we weren't religious at all and I would always like I guess I just always wanted to be a, like belong to a group so bad so I would always be like can we go to church please because all my friends would go to church and then I go like I remember at in middle school where at my middle school we used to say the Lord's Prayer yeah. at morning assembly which is definitely like illegal now but <laughs> I didn't know it so I was like fake it and i was like just like faking it for for years the lord's prayer <laughs> i i remember doing the exact same thing any situation i've ever been in, in in church or whatever because you'd go to weddings or funerals or whatever situation yeah. and sometimes school whatever it was there would be a prayer and same thing is that the uh our father who art in heaven mm -hmm. yeah that's art th in heaven yeah, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the fuck. Same thing. I would always kind of fake it and feel strangely left out. But everyone in my town went to um, CCD. Is that what it's called everywhere? Is that something? Community, Christian community. Dicks. Diaper. Diaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something like that. It's got to be Catholic, Catholics. CCD. I don't know. I remember that people called it Central City Dump. And that was like a joke. Where are you from? And you're from Boston, right? I'm from Whitman, Massachusetts. So like a small town south of Boston. My dad grew up in Marblehead. Oh, okay. Marblehead uh, is, yeah, that's not near you at close all. to me. But I, I know Marblehead. That's like a nice town, I think. I think it's like, it's like a little town on the water. Yeah, that sounds right. Where <laughs> did you grow up? I grew up, I was born in Manhattan. And then we moved out to Long Island when I was like five or something. And then um, since I'm, I'm one of seven kids, I have five brothers and one sister. And then um, my parents moved back to the city when I was in high school. And where do you fall in the seven? Uh, I almost said like, I fall a lot because I'm clumsy. No, I <laughs> third oldest. Okay, so you have four younger siblings. It's weird because you hear all the like psychology of birth order and everything but you usually hear it with like two or three kids you never hear about it with seven kids like the middle kid sucks or the young kid's funny or whatever it is the older kid is i don't know smart or whatever whatever the fucking the things are that i don't really know but it's strange with seven because what is the psycho do you know the psychology have you uh, been told what the third of seven kids usually represents or means 
I mean, in, in my experience, the third would represent um, a crippling struggle with drugs and alcoholism. <laughs> that's, that's what happens with the third. I think that definitely like, so my older brother and older sister, my, my older, I have an older brother, older sister, me, and then four little brothers. And we're all like one year apart. Pretty crazy. But my older brother and older sister are much more serious and really kind of have their shit together and, you know, just very serious jobs. And then once it hit me, everything kind of just like fell apart a little bit. And then it's like me and my, me and then my brother right below me, we kind of are just kind of like, like kind of flailing around more. Right. And then actually same with everybody from the lower half down. <laughs> so, it's not probably because that's when uh, God stopped getting involved because he stopped baptizing us. You think that's but, what it is? You think you think that um, you think that has anything to do with it? Yeah, my actually, my this is funny. My older sister, she got married because uh, she's so serious a few years ago, and she had to get she was going to get married in a church because her husband was like religious or something, and so she got baptized as like a twenty eight year old. She had to get nice. baptized, and then I I, I was trying I talked about this in my stand up one. She would just she became like a huge bitch after she got baptized. Like she would shit talk all of us. And she'd be like, just so you know, God can't even hear you guys. Like you weren't baptized. He doesn't even know about you. Did you know that? And we're like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a little kooky. I mean, no disrespect, but that's. Yeah, no, no. She was like fucking with us, but she was like, God doesn't know about you guys. Like you guys are so random. <laughs> that's what that's where everything gets strange with um, God. And I always was like, or the idea of like a singular God or whatever. So I'm like, so he's watching and listening to all of us at, at once. And and he cares more about some people like it seems like a weird god that would be like um a little bit resentful to people that didn't get baptized like he's like i don't like that guy he didn't um he didn't have water dunked on his head or whatever so it gets tricky with god well also i don't know i think that there's like this whole thing in society about always being watched even like i mean i guess my equivalent of god was santa claus and you know how people are like Danny, he's watching. You better not be bad. He's watching. I'm like, oh my God. That's what he's always watching. Yeah, it's it's creepy. But it's funny you say that because I always felt uh similarly with both of them as a as a kid. Like I was really young with uh Santa Claus, like in like second or third grade. And I think this is like I have like pride in this because that means I had some like critical thinking, I guess, and it's the thing that makes you're a good comic, I guess, is that feeling of like, even as a kid, I was like, I don't understand. He gets to every house in like one day, like how, and I remember it being like literally like seven years old and adults just being like, dude, I don't know. It's magic. And I'm like, wait, so it's, it's magic. Like we don't even have a chimney. There's no <laughs> chimney here. What? And, and kind of doing the math. And I remember having a moment talking to, I forget her name, Andrea something in like third grade. And like, I was in the middle of talking about how there's definitely not a Santa Claus mm -hmm. when I realized what I was doing was really mean because this person hadn't realized it yet. And I was like, yeah. it was like the first time as a, as a kid that in the middle of my speech being like, there's no way, just think about it. He couldn't do it. And I thought I was just having a conversation with a person about like, don't you think? And then she started to get like really upset. And I had to be like, but maybe he could. <laughs> and, and, uh, I don't know what made me think of that just now, other than I felt like that was the earliest I felt like a conscience of like, wait, this is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. 
I mean, it's crazy. So I babysit for these kids, which is like, it's actually like, since I, I don't, I'm sober now. And I feel like a lot of people, when they get sober, they get, I feel like they, cause they're kind of been out of the workforce for a while because they've been drinking. So they have these jobs like sober, I meet people in rehab after their jobs are like, they're like therapists and like Uber drivers and like babysitters. And it's like, these are the three things, like someone who was a drug addict should not be doing. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah, of course. Like whenever I say like I babysit, people are like, this is terrifying. But um, the little kid, he's five. I babysit for him. And this like, he would say something to me and I'd be like, he like said, he was like, shit. And I was like, what? And he was like, oh my God. He's like, the elves are, the elves are listening. And I was like, what? the Christmas elves, they are listening. They are everywhere. And I was like, okay, sorry. God. Like, this is insane. I was like, this kid on math. So <laughs> What do you say to him when a five-year-old that you're not, it's not your kid, you're just babysitting and he's terrified of elves watching? Like, how do you handle it? Do you just go, yeah, be careful? I was just like, yeah, you need a drink. No, um, <laughs> I'm just like, I just like laughed and I was like, I guess this could be a joke. <laughs> yeah. These kids, these kids are like city kids. They're damaged. I'd have to, like, or when you, or kids like with technology now, it's different than when we grew up because I remember this little boy is like, they're so addicted to their screens. It's insane. Um, like, you know, I'll, I'll try to take away the iPad and this five-year-old will just go insane, have a temper tantrum. And one day he came to me crying. He was just like, he go, he starts hysterically crying and he's like, I'm addicted to screens. Oh God. I was like, Oh my God. It's like, he's conscious that fact that he can't stop. Yeah, that's weird. But that sounds like somebody has said it feels like it's doubly bad that a he's addicted to screens and b that he's even aware of the idea of addicted to screen. Like it feels like somebody's saying that around him is that our kids are addicted to screens. Well, I think they like teach it in school now. They have like screen time. They're like screens. You're only allowed to be on screens for this amount of time and this amount of time. And um, there's did you watch that movie that you watched it, right? The one on. Uh, on Netflix that came out this year, The Social Dilemma. Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched it, yeah. I have to watch it, like, uh, periodically, like it's religion, to remind myself. Yeah, it's it's really crazy, just, and, and you can watch their brains change, these kids, when they're on screens. So, like, if they're watching screens for a certain amount of hours, and then you take them away, it's like you're taking away a drug from a drug addict, because then they'll have a meltdown. Yeah. It's, just, it's crazy. It's well, it's crazy to think that. So where, how old are you? Can I ask how old you are? Is that offensive? No, I'm 31. Okay. So you grew up not having, you probably started to have internet in high school, I guess, because yeah. yeah so like we grew up with not, I'm 38 and we grew up with not having the smartphones and now we're all addicted and it's crazy, but it's strange to think what it will be like for all these future generations that never didn't have it like we can at least be like wow when i was a kid i didn't I, I was just thinking about this this is maybe a different topic and sometimes we just go we just go where the flow goes but i was just thinking about how crazy it was that when we were kids it would just be hey be home by 5 30 or six yeah. o'clock or whatever and our parents had zero idea where we were like i was just on a bike and just would go everywhere and there was no way even telling them and uh, I guess we were fine. And it definitely seems like there's better, it's better, there's better things about that and there's better things about it now. But the screen addiction is just, 
crazy. rampant. And I, I, I'm trying hard to work on it. I talk about it a lot on this podcast. How are you with it? I am. It, it really go. It, I'm just so addicted to my phone. It's I'll just find myself just looking at it. And I get into these like I like I call them like K-holes on Instagram, you know, where you're looking at like your ex-boyfriend's like childhood babysitter's dog, you know, and you're like, how did we get here? And how is Portugal? <laughs> Maria you know it's just like it's uh it's crazy and then and then there's all the and then to babysit these kids now there's all these different apps I have to have like I have a citizen app which is where you can be like oh on 17th street there's a pedophile watch out for that man <laughs> like <laughs> like use this app to see like who has COVID in his class at school use this app to get into the front door use this app to get into the back door use this app to monitor how much screen times he uses and I'm like I like barely went to college. Like I'm not. It's just every everything is done through it. Yeah, they don't even have paper assignments anymore. It's really strange to think about, and I know it's like it's talked about a lot in a lot of places. But like the amount of things it's replaced. Like I don't, I have notebooks, but like I don't carry a little notes around anymore because I have notes on my phone. So it replaces like a notebook in some ways. Yeah. the compass the voice recorder, the camera, the calculator, um, even like the telephone itself. Like you just text now instead of calling somebody on the phone and mail is just email and people yeah. read books on their phone. And there's probably a bunch of other things that I'm like missing. There's a tape measure on your phone. Like literally I was using it as like a tape oh, measure. Crazy. And video camera editing, like it's all on there. And I had to buy... I don't know if people can see them. I had to buy like an alarm clock. I bought like a regular alarm clock. And then I have tinnitus, tinnitus. I can't reach it because the cord's not. So I bought like I watched, a noisemaker. I watched your special last night. Oh, really? I'd watched part of it, but then I just, well, I was laughing really hard. Oh, it was thanks. really funny. When you're doing the, I went to Starbucks today and when I was ordering coffee, I was like looking to see at the bathroom. I was like, they weren't open. I was laughing about your bathroom code joke. Oh, oh thanks. That's <laughs> just like laughing. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. No, and I have and another thing for me, like I think since the pandemic, especially, I only FaceTime. I never call people anymore. I FaceTime everyone. Interesting. I'd I never FaceTime. I only FaceTime now and like a, a call feels like formal. Right. I've got I guess FaceTime seems good like i like zoom it's nice to see people um so i guess that, like that's one of the maybe the positives of it yeah um but what is your do you check your screen time at the end of the day or at the end of the week or whatever or do you not even look oh i sometimes get updates and uh like it was like down 20 percent the other day and it said i did seven hours oh that's yeah that's that's, tough. <laughs> that's really bad yeah, I'm not good with math, but that's got to be, I don't know, 10 hours or something. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, no. Honestly, I always think that like life would be so much better. You know, I had a lot of boyfriends when I was like in high school and college, and, you know, kind of like before the iPhone, I was kind of killing it with dudes, I would have to say. Sure. And then once every time, once technology gets better, my dating life just has kind of gone to shit. What do you think it is? Like, you don't have the attention to give to people or you're distracted by the phone or is it? Sorry, is this loud? It's like my heater makes noise. Or you don't I don't it. think so. No, I don't okay. even notice it. I'm tinnitus. 
Yeah, I have. Do you really? Because I have it horrible. It's I have small really... titties on this. Small titties. Okay. Um. So I am. Ugh. Ugh. That's why I'm single. No, but um, what what we're talking about? <laughs> um, I I feel like you didn't want to talk about it because we quickly went into <laughs> tinnitus and uh, the noise. But you were talking about how previous to smartphones, you were you oh, were killing the game. I was killing the game. I was riding that D train. I was killing it. And I had so many boys because I'm really annoying. Um, and when you don't like, I'm really cool in person, but like on the phone, it's like texting. I get like a high off of it, you know, like I like to extend and like, I don't know how to stop. And so like, people are like, you're so annoying on the phone, but like in person, you're so great. I'm like, I know. Imagine if we didn't have iPhones, like I'll be married. Like to everyone. <laughs> well, part of that's pandemic too, I think, because you just, it, it's hard. Cause now I have it too, sometimes via text and I also did the thing where I, I was waiting for you uh, before this. And I was like, oh, I got a couple of thoughts. I'll text a couple of buddies. And then I texted like three people about whatever. And then now we're recording. So I'm like, let me put my phone away. And I can just feel that I have like unresponded to text. And do you get that anxiety of like knowing there's a text that hasn't been responded to? Because it makes me fucking nuts. It's like OCD or something. I was just with my friend before this and she told me she has 293 unread text messages right now. That makes me want to throw up blood. I, I was like, what? How? Like, I can't do that. I, I, and I guess I would like to move to a place in life where I'm not always like having to check everything. But then in my head, my anxiety is like, yeah, but like, what if someone dies and I, I missed the call? Right. And I've had things like that happen, not die, but, oh, there was something recently I want to think about where I do do this thing, do do, I do do this thing <laughs> where I'm, I'm working on um, breaking up with my phone, it's called. I have the book right here, Catherine Price, How to Break Up with Your Phone, which I mention all the time. Wonderful book. And so I try to like put it away, lock it away, take an hour. And it does happen a lot where like, then you go to your phone and it's like, hey, I got a gig. Uh, you got to get back to me right away. And you do miss out on stuff or somebody calls or whatever it is. And I had, um, not to trigger anybody, but everybody kind of knows I'm friends with Louis CK. And the first time I ever worked with him, yeah, I was doing that. I was like, I was, it was out in like the Hamptons. And I was like, I'm not going to look at my phone. We're going to enjoy the day. We got eight hours till the show happens. And I went to put it on airplane mode. I was like, I got to put my phone on airplane mode. And I picked it up and it was from him. And I didn't know him at the time. And he was like, hey, I have a boat. I'm taking my boat out to you and your girlfriend at the time it was my girlfriend. Do you guys want to go out? And I still think about that. If I had been on airplane mode, I would have not gone on his boat. And then he took us to his house. We watched videos all day. It was like this great memory. We became friends. And I'm like, so now I still have this thing that I'm like, I better not put my phone away just in case, you know, Michael J. Fox calls me. Got a boat, yeah. Yeah, he wants to be friends. Yeah, I mean, the hardest part for me is they, you know, in texting, it's always like uh, I can't wrap my head around how the fact that the less is more, you know. So it's like when I really want something, I'll like reach, reach, reach for it. But then at the end of the day, whenever whenever I just do nothing, that's when the things come. Right. So I'm trying to like, so like the thing, like leaving your phone on like airplane mode or something, I'm like, I'm trying to be like, okay, well, you know, 
if I just don't answer or if I miss it, it makes me more mysterious. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, I think, well, I think with dating, right, that does, I mean, I haven't been single in a long time, but I think that does help, I guess, and I was always bad with that stuff, because everyone's like, you don't want to look desperate, and I I was always like, but I want to talk to her, I don't get it, (laughs) like, I'm like, yeah, so I guess that, that could help, but the main thing, I guess, mentally, is to let go of this idea of, like, we have to respond, or I think it's like, deeper than that of like everyone will hate me if I don't respond I'll miss out on everything there's a theory that I have probably talked about before but I remember hearing that all fear breaks down to two things fear of death or fear of being alone really and so I mean that's just a theory and my therapist is like that's stupid but I think it makes some sense that like the fear of not answering your phone is like oh no one will ever write to me again because I don't get back to people on time or it's like someone's telling me you know, you got to drink vitamin D and if I don't, I'll die or something. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. And I think that's one of my, one of my biggest anxieties. This fucking heater killing me, man. One of my biggest anxiety, one of my biggest anxieties is um, like fear of abandonment. That's like what I have like the most trouble with. And I think it's because I come from such a big family that I'm like, kind of like, I'm not good at being alone. And then my parents weren't home that much. I just have like, that's the thing about, I always feel like I have to respond because I always feel like I'm going to get left out or I'm going to be alone or something like, I saw this boy the other day when I was in Philadelphia and um, we had sex because I'm a legend and um, yeah, yeah, it's my ex, kind of ex. We met in rehab, so, uh, you know, not meant to be. I was like, how are you doing? And he like showed me his arms. He's like, no track marks. I'm like, oh my God, he's perfect. (laughs) I was like, fuck. That's a good start. And um, so like the next morning he was like going to work and I called an Uber and I was like, all right, I'll see you later. And he's like, I'm going to wait with you. I was like, really? And he's like, are you not used to like anyone ever being nice to you? <laughs> like, I was like, no, I assumed like you got like, you saw me, you got what you wanted and now you leave me because everyone leaves. <laughs> and he's like, you need to relax lady. It's just like, it's just like, it's become so like, ingrained and that's why I think I'm so I'm always on my phone always reaching out to people because there's no like I don't know I just like get on a fucking heater sorry it's all right it's not bothering me (laughs) just having an anxiety attack casually on your show which is part of the yeah that's great I mean that's like best case scenario somebody has an anxiety attack on the show (laughs) I love I always love when someone's like uh, god I'm having anxiety and then you just take a big sip of coffee I'm like that'll help (laughs) I'm gonna get my headphones because it's it's actually, it, I think I'm tinnitus. All right, we lost, we lost glow, everybody. No, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Oh, there you go. Yeah, get your, get your cans. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but no, I just, I just moved into this apartment like last week, and they're like doing construction on the pipes. So they asked me for a key, spare key, so I'll be asleep, and then at like 9 a.m. It's like a studio. Like five dudes will walk in and they'll be like, we're fixing the pipes. And they're like, good morning, sunshine. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like, I, you're lucky I don't have a lover. I guess I can kind of, is that a snowboard, by the way, in your background? What is that? It is that a just skateboard. Design? Oh, it's a skateboard. Okay, so it is a board. Oh, nice. It's a, Jim, it's a Jimmy Choo. It's a skateboard. My friend whose apartment this is, she's a, a fashion designer or something. And uh, she left some of her art. This is a handbag. That she paper mache. Wow. 
Hell yeah. Well, you're living, you're living the I mean, life over there. I, it's funny because I'm like, I can hear the squeak of the heater now. And I'm like, don't worry, it's not a problem. And this is the kind of thing that I'm like, I don't even notice it. And then I'll get three tweets being like, this podcast is unlistenable. There's a fucking whistly thing. And then I'll want to kill myself for like four days. Uh-oh. Well, it will go off again soon. Is this better? Doesn't make a difference for you. <laughs> no, the sound is going to be, it's different for you, but it's not for um, the well, audience be, or whatever. But It's going to be fabulous. I think, um, I think it's fine. People okay. will bear with it. We can always talk again. I've got no plans, but I know you're probably kind of busy. Oh, yeah. Now I am hearing it as I put my head close because I'm not wearing headphones either. So maybe I should be. This is the kind of thing that people will write to you and be like, you got to wear headphones. Oh, piece of it shit. turned off. Okay, great. So they can just skip that part. Thank you for being on that journey with me. I was just slowly having a panic attack that whole time. You know what I'll do up top? I'll say, hey, in the middle around, you know, minute 30, there's a, it's a, there's some whistling. Ooh, that was, that was a lot to take in. I was like, everything's fine. I just have abandonment issues. <laughs> but so no, so that makes, I mean, it makes sense. And I feel, um, similarly like i always say this with sarah i'm like i'll just randomly be like you love me right and she's yeah. like what of course yeah what, what's making you am i doing something and i'm like no no i just need to be reassured all the time because i have that constant thing i don't know if it's the same of an abandonment issue but i'll just be sitting there i'm like i think every single person hates me i think i'm a big giant piece of shit and everyone hates me and not only does everyone hate me they're all thinking about me right now at this moment like the entire planet's just sitting around being like this sucks that guy sucks yeah that's what I, that's what i'll do like to this boy i saw i'd be like hey he's like what i was like you think i'm pretty <laughs> he's like yeah i was like okay if you could just say it like 46 times before i leave and he's like okay and then i'm leaving him like you got two left <laughs> he's like okay i think it's something that we didn't get oh god i lost your camera now everything's fine i don't care um i think it's just something that we didn't get obviously in our uh our childhood like we did something something was lacking mm -hmm. we didn't get i don't know hugged or told we're great or something is missing no i was um i was not a hot kid like i was the ugliest kid in my family all my other <laughs> all my siblings were like beautiful i was like cute but like i had i had a, a lazy eye and um, I had like a really deep voice. I had a lazy eye, I had a really deep voice and my ears stuck out. Like I had to get my ears pinned back when I was like, it wasn't even a choice actually. Jeez, like, what do you mean pinned back? They like staple into it's your like head? It's thing that people do. Look, this was me. Oh, wow. <laughs> it looks like you also have a, like, a, a, like a lip thing going. Like you're doing like a reverse Elvis. Yeah. So like my ears like stuck out a lot. And so they like pin them, they like they do like a thing and they pin them back. So they don't they're not as floppy. And I didn't even have a choice. They just did it to me. They're like, yeah, this girl's gonna we don't want her on our payroll forever. So pin her ears back so she can get a man one day. Yeah, that sounds awful. I mean, I, for, what are they like duct tape them or is it paper clips? How does it how does it work? It's and like a surgery. They like uh put like some stitches in it, I guess. Oh, I, like, sounds... I remember after it, I was like walking down the street in New York and they, I had like this whole bandage thing on my head, like wrapping it. I was like wearing a dress and this homeless man was like, you're beautiful. 
And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, the surgery worked. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's traumatic, Chloe. I'm sorry. You had to yeah, deal with that. My voice was like, hey, I, I couldn't scream. My voice was so deep. I'd be like, hey, Chloe. <laughs> and all my brothers would make, because I have five brothers, like I said, they'd all make fun of me and they'd be like, you sound like you've been smoking cigarettes for 35 years. I'd be like, I'm six. <laughs> God, Chloe, this is this is horrible. I mean, this explains uh, a lot. You say, you know, you struggle with uh, drugs and alcohol and abandonment issues. I mean, it probably starts with having like um, some kind of like vanity surgery as a child. <laughs> I mean, right. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And so then I want to hear about this, too. So you've mentioned to me before that you have epilepsy, which I, I'm not familiar with uh, the only thing i know about epilepsy i think is from the movie uh garden state where uh natalie um portman wears like a helmet yes they're actually um doing a lot what the fuck is it? they're doing a lot of stuff right now uh on the internet with uh on amazon with these helmets like you can get these helmets that actually look like baseball caps you can get helmets for epilepsy that look like you're wearing a beanie <laughs> pretty funny but um basically yeah so i don't to be honest, when you're like, oh, let's talk about epilepsy, I was like, oh my God, nobody ever asks. So I was like, I love that. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked. Um, I always forget I have it, always, which is like a, a big reason I shouldn't even be drinking at all is because they're like, you have epilepsy. If you want to drink, you can drink like, you know, one or two glasses of wine a week. And I'm like, I'd rather, you know, just never drink. Yeah. I, first of all, I just never understand anyone. I mean, we talk a lot about drinking on this show and obviously you're similar to me. <laughs> like I just, the idea of having like a drink is so silly to me. Like I haven't drank in years, but even I never think about the idea of like having a beer. Yeah. I always, I'm like, oh man, it'd be fun to have like 48 beers right now. Yeah, I guess I could think of it in terms like, oh, such a hot day. Like I could have a seizure today, which is like the equivalent <laughs> of a beer. But yeah, so I have epilepsy. I never know if I'm supposed to say I'm epileptic or I have epilepsy. Oh, I actually thought way. about that when I watched your special because you say I'm OCD. I have OCD. I was like, I don't know because I always forget I have epilepsy. Um, and basically what it is is I have a, I have focal epilepsy. So that means I, my epilepsy is located in my left frontal lobe. So it's okay. like here in the front. And basically it's like the brain waves are like all crossed like so my brain is abnormal um and i was born with it i've had it my whole life i had my first seizure when i was like two i guess i had like a really high fever and i started having a seizure you know my ears were flopping around i was like yeah get me to the hospital <laughs> my eyes going up i'm like <laughs> and um then i didn't have another seizure until i was like 16. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like diagnosed. They thought it was just from like having a, a it's called a febrile, a febrile seizure. Uh, anyways, I'm not a doctor. I'm a fool man, but. Um, Ace Ventura. Sick reference. And uh, yeah. And then when I was 16, I was out at a nightclub in New York City at Marquee on 27th and 10th. Okay. And I was like doing a lot of cocaine because I'm a legend. And uh, I had like a grand mal seizure. And. Um, I like woke up and there's like, you know, two police holding either side of my arms. And they're like, I'm like, get off of me, get off of me. And they're like walking me down the street kind of. And I'm like, they're like, you just had a seizure. And I'm like, no, I didn't. 
like then why are you bleeding and I look down and there's just like blood like all over my dress because I like I have the grand mal seizures like the big ones what does that mean grandma seizure grand mal oh grand mal I have a grandma seizure that's what I thought you meant some lasagna (laughs) yeah I thought you squeezed cheeks and gave out five dollar bills um yeah so I had a I had a grand mal seizure and uh so basically what happens is you, I fall, I like, I don't feel, a lot of people can feel their seizures coming, but I don't feel them coming. You, people get like some, it's called like a spell. Um, and you can feel the seizures coming on before you have them. So some people will feel it coming on and then they'll, they'll be like, I'm about to have a seizure and they can like sit down before it happens. But I don't, they think it's weird. They don't understand how I just never feel it coming on at all. Interesting. Um, and then there's different types, like a grand mal seizure are the most intense types of seizures because those are the ones like, you'll, I'll fall to the ground and I'll go catatonic and then I will like, the eyes roll on the back of your head and you start convulsing. And mine, mine will last for up to like two minutes, like convulsing wow. and um, you're like foaming at the mouth, you know, the whole ordeal. Uh, and so, I always like very badly, you're, there's just to put something in your mouth Right. Like they tried to put a magazine in my mouth when I was seizing. Never put like your hand in someone's mouth because you can like bite someone's hand off. Jesus. And like people have like bitten off their own tongues and stuff in seizures. Like people have died because they swallowed their own tongue. That's insane. Okay. So, so many questions. First of all, I only know about the spoon thing from the movie Mean Streets. I know you're a movie person. Um, and that's a great <laughs> film. That's neither here nor there. But they uh, Martin Scorsese's mother comes out and puts a wooden spoon in the uh, the lady's mouth. But um, so what is there something that triggers it or is it just random? I mean, I always hear about lights like uh, strobe lights. Is there any truth to yeah. that? I mean, I have like random knowledge. I mean, that's what that's what they say. But I mean, for me, then I, I had that seizure and then we just like blamed it on drugs. Me and the doctor, I told them I was like roofied and they're like, it's alarming. You weren't, but you were, it's fine. And then I went to college and I started, I didn't have a seizure. I wasn't on any meds or anything. I started doing like a lot of Xanax and then I would take Xanax and then I would wake up and I would like take an Adderall because I'd be like, I haven't been to school in a month. Okay, let's do this. And then I'd have a seizure always like that. And I would wake up and I'd be, I would not see it coming. I'd be like getting ready to go to a bar, like putting on makeup. Next thing I wake up and I'm in the back of my ambulance. Um, Wow just like bleeding and it was just um so that happened a few times then I came back to the city oh then I didn't have a seizure for like six more years and then um I started I had one when I was on a jog on the street on Madison Avenue I was just I was on a run and then I just woke up and I was in an ambulance and then they just finally were like did all these tests and they're just like you have epilepsy. Like you've had it, you've in your frontal lobe, you've had it your whole life. You need to be on medication every day. And it took until I was 28 years old to be put on medicine. Um, and I think it's because I went and I saw so many different doctors and they were saying, I like, oh, the doctors, and because I went to college in Texas, they're like, this is insane that they didn't diagnose you with this. Sometimes after two seizures, you should be diagnosed. And you've had, you know, eight or something grand mal seizures. And then it took a really long time for them to get me on the right meds. Um, they put me on this med called Kepra and or Capra. I, I hated it so much because they had put me on that at a rehab and it made me re- really, really depressed. Like it was making me really suicidal and really upset. And I remember being like, can I please like 
I was like, I don't want to go on this medicine. I had to go on it this summer. I hate it. Like, please, any other one. And they're like, uh, like, we can't, you have to stay on this for a certain amount of time, blah, blah, blah. And, um, one of the side effects of Capra was, uh, like suicidal ideation. Another one was homicidal ideation. Jesus. I was like, I was like, wait, what? It's like a side effect of this is murder. Like, are we getting? Like, no, 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 no. Thinking about murder. Did um, you feel that at all? Did you experience that side effect? Because I mean, I think I, I have that side effect all the time, just in general in life. But like, did you ever have like a, a legitimate feeling of like of like I, I just imagine like visualizing violence or something? You know, I spent a lot of time alone, so I would say it, uh, probably yeah towards myself. No, that I took, the, and then they would. Then my doctor was like in India, like they're like, oh, like he's helping people in India. He can't drink your meds. And I was like, yeah. So I, they said, you have to go back on Kepra. And at this point I was on Anabuse for my drinking. I was on naltrexone, stop cravings. I was on antidepressant. I was on like a, a type of sleeping pills. I was on Kepra. I was on whatever. And I wasn't even drinking. And I was so depressed and they wouldn't, they said, I can't go off the Kepra. So I just like took a whole bottle of my sleeping pills. I was like, yes. I don't know what to do. I know, right? And uh, then I had to go to a psych ward, right? So you have to do, you know, I was talking about that in my act the other day. I was like, anyone been to a psych ward? And it's like silent. I'm like, get on my level. Uh, <laughs> so wait, when was that? How, how long ago was this that you took the sleeping pills and had to go to the psych ward? That was like, uh, I took an Uber to the psych ward. Pretty weird, huh? And um, that was in, uh, how 2018 2017 oh, so not that long ago then 2018 20s i think it was like november of 2017 because i was like what happened was i went to rehab in 2016 and i was sober for like almost a year and then i started drinking again when my boyfriend broke up with me um he broke up with me because he was like all he did was take acid which was like a weird thing to do when you have a sober girlfriend yeah, who takes yeah. acid in the 21st century? I don't know. He told me that when he was tripping that he realized he was on his journey and I was not on it with him. And that's why we broke up. Oh, that seems great to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm not on your journey. Take care <laughs> and have a good journey. Um. So then, um, so then I started drinking again and I kind of just went nuts. Like I hadn't drank in like a year and I was like, scary skinny like i loved it i was so sad i never ate it was amazing like i was like Ugh. i looked like a i looked like i was alton put in auschwitz you know it's tiny <laughs> and uh i just like started going on this bender and then i, I checked into a, a rehab in la in malibu i went to promises in malibu and uh i like fucking spiraled from there i spent the next from july i went on fourth of july i checked in and then from like fourth of july until February 1st, I was in and out of treatment. And so is it a voluntary treatment? Were you leaving on no, your own? Were so, you sneaking so out? For that was one, that wasn't the psych ward. So for that one, I signed up and I went and I got kicked out. Of, I got let go from that rehab because long story. Um, it was, I got kicked out. I was in love, whatever. And uh, so then I went there Then I got kicked out of that rehab, got went to another one, got kicked out of there, came to the East Coast, went to a sober house, ran away, got put on all these pills trying to better myself, going for a run, had another grandma seizure. Then they put me back on the Keppra, the meds that made me suicidal. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, you have to. And then that's when I was like, then I found out my ex-boyfriend had been like 
having sex with my best friend the whole time and they lied Jesus. to me. I know. And then I was like, nobody loves me. So then I was just like, mm. it's like a bottle slip and pulse. Um, I only went like 40% on it. It was more of an intention thing. So, you know, don't worry about me. I'm fine. And well, uh, I am worried about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, um, that you didn't cause it's good that you're still here. Right. Yeah. No. So that was a while ago. So then I went and I, then, then they were like, we went to the hospital and it came and then they were like, all right, like, we're going to just write this as an accidental overdose. And they're like, you can go home. And I was like, but I still want to kill myself. And they're like, you can just go home. It's fine. And Jesus. so like, I went home and I was just like sitting there and I was like, that didn't work at all. You know? Right. And so I was just like, I, I need to go somewhere. I need to get help. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And like, I like, called my dad's secretary or something. And I was like, I don't know where to go. Where do I go? She was like, all right, well, this place takes your insurance. So I just like called an Uber and I went to the psych ward and I checked in on Halloween. <laughs> and what was that like? Was Because it's interesting because I know somebody recently that went to a facility for like anxiety and, and depression. And it was like a pretty pleasant place. Because uh, I think people think of psych ward, they think of like straight jackets and white walls and oh, no. 12 monkeys and cuckoo's nest. What, it was it was not pleasant. It, I was in they put me in a crisis unit because the other parts were full. It was like a mostly homeless people. Um, it was, it was the scariest. I was just there. Cause I just like, didn't, I had, I didn't know where to go. Um, I just, I wanted to die and I didn't know what to do. Um, and I put myself there, but, um, and it was the scariest thing. I would just sit in my room and the heat was broken. I remember. And I was just there's no doorknobs. Everything was like Velcro. So you can't kill yourself. They take away your shoelaces. Like the guy who lived in the room next to me was like a convicted pedophile. Like Jesus. Um, there was this one person there who was insane and they play 80s music nonstop. First of all, blasting <laughs> 80s music the whole time. It's like, come on, Eileen. For, for us. If, if you don't think you're crazy, they're making you crazier. Like there's all these puzzles, but they're missing pieces. And they're like, oh, do the puzzle. And you're like, wait, are there missing pieces? And they're like, no, you're crazy. You're part of the system now. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, so it is like 12 monkeys. Yeah. And they have like on the wall, there's pay phones. And they let the other patients in the psych ward answer the pay phones. Yeah. So it was so scary. And there was this one. I don't know if you can say trans anymore, but this she she called herself Rihanna. And she would... um she would like dance on the walls to the music and she would uh, get really angry and try to bite people. But then it, it turned out that she had AIDS or something. She was like HIV positive. So she bit someone and then it happened like two or three times and an alarm would go off and the whole psych ward. And then all the nurses would come out and like push her to the ground and like inject her to, to make her like uh, with sedatives and like take her into the, 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 uh, the isolation room. And then in the isolation room, you can look and there's a tiny windows you can like look in. And like, or like they, there was this other thing like for lunch or for the meals you could be put on, if you're put on trays, it's when you don't have the uh, skills to eat at a table with other people. You'd just be sitting with a tray in a corner because you don't know how to use like forks and knives. Like we'd have class in the morning where they'd be like telling you how to shower. God. Um, how long were you in this facility for? I was there for eight days because it was a long weekend and I had to get a judge to get me out because they put me on a hold and then I wanted to leave and I couldn't. And uh, the only way I was allowed to leave was if I agreed to go 
to the inpatient rehab at the same hospital. And it's uh, which crazy too. But um, we played volleyball one day and there's this guy, Benny, who would walk around with a Bible everywhere and stand on his tippy toes. And oh, there's this one guy there named, he called himself Harlem Chris. And uh, <laughs> I would always be reading a book. He'd be like, hey, reading a book? You think you're better than me? You think you're fucking better than me because you read books? <laughs> Like, that no. sounds like my family. <laughs> that guy. And I remember he used to, and then there was this one guy named James who was there because he was suicidal. And we all called him Suicidal James. And they had Nintendo Wii. They didn't by like the fourth day, I was just like, fuck it. And like there was a couple of young kids who were in there who were there and they're like, listen, like we're not actually crazy, we're just homeless. And we like to yak like you're crazy so you can have somewhere to stay for a week. Right. Yeah. A friend of mine, a friend of ours was just telling me about that's a big thing and it, it makes it hard to get a, a bed in some facilities because you'll just have homeless people that just say whatever to get in there. Oh, yeah. And it's like one kid who I played chess against. He's uh, my only friend. Oh, there's one girl who came in and was normal. But um, and he was like, I'm not fucking crazy. He's like, he's like, I just lie. So I'm sitting on the street and I was like, what do you say? He's like, this time I told him that the voices told me to step on the puppies and stab the kids. I was like, nice. Jesus. He's like, yeah, pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, that's pretty good. That's good. That's like poetry. Step on yeah, the puppies girl, and stab the kids. This girl came in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, the fans are going to hate that. <laughs> I'll warn them. Um, uh, they, um, this It's HIPAA calling me. HIPAA? It's a human. Anyways, it's a rehab thing. It's like uh, you have, it's a, uh, they have to like sign things so you're not to speak about any of these things that you do. Oh wow! Don't worry about it. And um, <laughs> we'll get sued later. Can we but, still release uh, this? Yeah, but um, oh, so this girl shows up and she shows up and she's normal, I think. And she showed up and like, thank fucking god, she was wearing like a cable knit sweater and had like glasses and was like kind of like a redhead. And I was like a young girl and I was like, this girl's like. I could hang out with this girl you know what i mean like i'm yeah. not gonna like, i would never like do coke with her but like is whatever you know like i'd probably like copy her homework you know that type of person uh anyways and so i was like a friend and then i started talking to her and she's like why are you here and i was like yeah because i was sad um why are you here and she goes i was afraid i was gonna join isis oh wow <laughs> i was like what <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I'm so fucked. And so how did you eventually get out? You went into the, the inpatient rehab thing? Did you have to do that? Well, what happened was they, they make you more crazy than you are when you get to these places. Um, they started loading me up with all of these pills when I got there. So many pills. They're putting. They're just throwing us on sleep, antipsychotics. They put you on um, sleeping pills in the daytime. Right. Got and it. so they put me on all these pills and then we were playing volleyball with no shoelaces. Terrible game. And uh, I had a grandma seizure playing volleyball in the psych ward outside. We, I wasn't we were I was allowed outside after four days. The first time I was allowed to like have fresh air. Um, and I had his grandma seizure and. Um, the nurses didn't even know what to do because I turned blue, I guess, and I stopped breathing and they started trying to give me CPR and they like bruised all my ribs and they'd like take me to the hospital. It was like, so it was very traumatic looking back. This is all extremely traumatic. Everything you've talked about during this podcast has been uh, traumatic. And I think you should really practice uh, self-compassion because 
anytime is it too much for the podcast i'm sorry no i think it's i think it's um harrowing and and interesting but i i just want you to um really spend time feeling <laughs> compassion for yourself because i mean this is this is harrowing it's it's a miracle that you're alive and functioning and and, and working and also hilarious you've, you've maintained your humor <laughs> throughout you. it is is miraculous honestly and um, I, am, I think i'm going on a date later so yeah, hell yeah. I would leave some of these stories out in the first date if it's a first date. I went on a date with this guy um, a few months ago, a hinge date, and I was not sober at the time. And he has like ecstasy. And I was like, oh, I'll take one. And I took one. I look at him. I go, oh, just so you know, I have epilepsy. So keep an eye on me. And he was like, uh. <laughs> that's I did it, it work out. I mean, when's the last time you had a, uh, a seizure? I haven't had a seizure in like two years, so. Oh, that's good. And does, I'm, on, I'm on meds I like. Oh, that's great. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm on yeah, the I'm to... But the doctor was like, you know, uh, does it make you feel dumb? And I was like, kind of. And he's like, yeah, it kind of slows you down. Oh, Jesus. Like, okay. <laughs> well, I'm like, we got to dismount soon. So we, I got to start getting to some positives. You're on, you haven't had a. Uh... Oh, I feel great. No, I feel great. It's just nice to talk. So you haven't had a, a seizure in a couple of years and you haven't had a drink in a, in a little while, right? What is it, yeah. a month, a couple of months? 30 days, uh, 29 days. That's great. I mean, that's mm -hmm. fantastic. And, yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. So things are looking up. Yes. Things are looking up. I have a second date today with a man named Giacomo. Is he French? Yeah, uh, he's Italian. Giacomo. Oh, well, Jacques, I think of French. All the European stuff sounds relatively similar. Oh, yeah, I know. like Spanish and Italian is basically the same language. I uh, I was talking to him when I met him the other day and he was like, oh, you're a comedian. Eh? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I was like, yeah. He's like, what's some com what's a comedy show? I was like, I was like, have you ever heard of Saturday Night Live? And he's like, no. I'm like, SNL. He goes, oh, yes, a Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so it's he's like straight Italian. He's from. Yeah. Italy. Yeah. He's from Milano. And you found him on Hinge, is it? On Hinge, on Hinge. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, I don't, I don't know. I'm not up to date with all. And the then, things. um, yeah, the day before our date, I was walking by a restaurant and I saw I'm on a date with someone else. I was like, Giacomo, he still got me for the morning slot, and he's like, Oh, cool, yeah. So, <laughs> have you considered that this might not be a great guy if he's already dating somebody else and he barely speaks English? I mean. Goes, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you how to do your life, but I'm, I'm, a here, I'm here for the fun. Um, he's like 25 too, so not really meant to be. Oh boy, I think you should find a nice guy <laughs> who doesn't doesn't drink or do drugs, and then when he hears these stories, he's like, "Oh my god!" and then gives you like a big hug. That's who I want you to. Okay. Keep an eye out for because Giacomo. I feel like first of all, his name sounds like a like a, a game show. Uh, like shock them I guess I'm thinking of what am I thinking of? What's I don't thing? know. Uh, rock a mole, sock a mole. What is that thing? Whack a mole. Uh, rock a mole. Rock a mole. Well, people, I remember one time I, I was like, I don't think it's going to work out with Jock a mole. Like, I feel like he's ghosting me. And someone was like, no one's ever going to give you sympathy if you're talking about getting ghosted by a guy named Jock a mole. Like, you got that one on yourself. His name is Giacomo. Yeah, Giacomo stinks. I'm sorry to say it, but um, he sounds hot, though. I, I picture like a like the real dark, curly hair, chest, and he's like brown. I had, yeah, I had texted him like when I was we we spoke for four months every single day, 
and then he came to America and and then I like he like didn't tell me when he came to America and I messaged him I'm like why did you come to the states and not tell me and he's like a surprise and I was like you're like I was like you suck and then like whatever and then we ended up like getting coffee like three weeks later and he when I stand he goes so uh, somebody at this table got a little bit crazy not saying who <laughs> I mean, it feels like you're dating a cartoon character, but you know, whatever, whatever uh, is is keeping you happy and and sober, I, I support. Yeah, well, um, he hasn't showed me his no track mark, so yeah, right. maybe he's better than that guy. Um, and so, what are you doing with um, comedy? Are you doing? Are you still doing your show? You're doing a web series yeah. for a while. Are you doing stand up? What's going on? I am. I did. I opened for Corinne Fisher this past weekend in Philly. Oh, nice! It was so fun. It was the first time I got made make up a paycheck a big paycheck for comedy that's great that's a good feeling very cool we did five shows um i didn't drink i had the best time it was really fun actually and people came to the show and were asking me to take photos with them after these girls were like we watched your i have a new show on my instagram called news for women like you break down the news so women can get it (laughs) you know like i'll say things like you know who needs a pedicure syria like stuff like that you know that's great. I remember when you came up with this idea, it was during pandemic. I remember talking about it. Yeah. So um, I took a little break from that because I was moving and stuff, but I just, I'm, I'm just building a new set in my studio. Um, so I'm going to film again this week and that's weekly. That's but, great. Um, and so, where do they find you on Instagram? What is the... You can find me on Instagram at Chloe LaBranch. LaBranch, L-A branch. It'll, it'll all be in the uh, the write-up, the bio and everything. And have you you've been doing some shows i mean summertime i assume it was better and mm-hmm. what's going on now are you trying to you're gonna just, open for her more or what yeah i'm just trying to be a road dog you know it's just like it's running it's scorching these fucking veins bro you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> get up get after it well it's been great chatting it's always fun talking to you i always enjoy talking to you i mean some of these stories are so fucking harrowing i feel I'm sorry I, I don't even i have no concept of like i'm so jaded i feel like so i have no concept of like what's normal so it's just better to talk about this with you than on the date later. So yeah, of course. No, I'm happy to talk about it anytime. And do you go to therapy? Do you have a therapist? I do have a therapist. We just got back in touch. I was kind Great. of ghosting him. He's getting like so clinging. Was Is like, it I'm Alan? So... No, it was Alan. Alan broke up with me because I wouldn't take his advice. Oh no. He broke up with you? How did that? He what said did that, that look I don't like? he said I had to go to rehab and not talk to my dad anymore if we we're gonna work together. Wow. And that didn't work out, I guess. Something like that. Alan. I'll check. I should check in with the guy. Do you hate Alan? Because I love Alan. I'm, I'm pure Alan. I, I can't I love, have a bad word about I, Alan. I, I love Alan. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'll check in with him. I love that guy. Okay. No, I left him a voicemail like six months ago. I was like, Alan, it's Chloe. I'm still kicking. How you doing? <laughs> He's a great man. And I, I can't do one episode without referencing him. Okay. So you're in therapy. That's great. You're not drinking. That's great. You're no doing drugs. comedy. That's great. No drugs. So it sounds like things are looking up and uh, you're hilarious. I think you're such a funny person. Every time I talk to you, I, I laugh and um, I appreciate you doing the show and being so uh, open and forthcoming. I think I think people are going to get a lot out of it. OK, I hope that they don't get too much from the heater and. Um... No, fuck the heater. The, all these people, the people that complain about sound, it's like they're just cunts. It's like, shut up. It's fine. You're fine. Don't listen to it. Or if you're having a conversation in real life and there's a truck outside, you don't even recognize it. It's just with a podcast. They want everything to be perfect. So Mm -hmm. fuck them. Sound was great. I'll apologize profusely up front. 
And, um, and you know, thanks for always being such a good friend, Joe. Yeah, you got You've it. Been very helpful to me over this pandemic and very positive and made me always made me feel good about myself. So I appreciate it. And yeah, <laughs> well, it's my it's my pleasure. And uh, hopefully I will see and talk to you tomorrow at the thing. And yeah. uh, everything's going to be everything's going to be great. Chloe LeBranch, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Chloe. OK, bye. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.